All right, Alexander, let's talk about um, either a coup in Ukraine or a Maidan 3. Actually, that is what Aristovich said the other day. He said there is either a coup coming or a Maidan 3. Now, Zelensky, in an interview he gave maybe two weeks ago, he talked about how the Russians are planning a Maidan 3 to overthrow his government. Um, an admission that Maidan uh, 1 and 2 was indeed uh, an overthrow of a democratically elected government. And Dmitry Medvedev, he pointed that out. But he said the Russians are planning on Maidan 3. But uh, you now have a lot of talk about some sort of change in the government, a regime change, a coup d'etat. Something is happening in Ukraine. It looks like you have Zelensky and his team, Zelensky, Podolyak, Yermak on one side. It seems like you have Zeluzhny, I would say Klitschko now, perhaps Poroshenko and some other oligarchs, perhaps on the Zeluzhny military side. And then you also have the, the Budanov SPU intel, which it's hard to say where exactly they're tilting towards. You had this poisoning incident of Mariana Budanov and, uh, and perhaps the Budanov is just kind of sitting back and and waiting to see what happens. Maybe he wants to to uh, seize power. Who knows? But uh, something is happening in Ukraine. Maybe maybe we won't have a coup or a Maidan three. Maybe uh, Alensky will get certain intel from Budanov and he'll be able to prevent something like that happening. But I think it's pretty safe to say now that plots are being uh, hatched. Plots are. Plots are being hatched and they are clearly moving to some kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 an event, some kind of a showdown. Now, can I just say, of course, it's very interesting that Aristovich talks about Maidan 3 as an alternative to a coup. <laughs> Most people would say that Maidan 2 was a coup. But anyway, there we go. I mean, I'm, I'm just, 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 just saying. I mean, how do you remove from office against his will a constitutionally elected president and claims that this is not a coup. <laughs> I mean, it's presumably some sort of a coup. I mean, he's not suggesting, as far as I can tell, an impeachment process, which apparently the Ukrainian system would make extremely difficult. So one way or the other, what Aristovich is talking about is a coup, either a coup, which is the normal classical coup, you know, troops on the streets, police people rounding up uh, prisoners, that kind of thing, the kind of coup that we're familiar with from Latin America and other places. Or alternatively, he's talking about another kind of coup, protests in the streets, uh, squares being occupied, that kind of thing. But I think again, that's the distinction. Yeah. That's the distinction. That's, that's the distinction I mean, I think he's trying I, to make. Yeah. Exactly, whether it's military the, guys or whether there's going to be people on Maidan Square. Uh, exactly. And, and by the way, we are already seeing small protests so far, but they are growing in Kiev. They're there all the time. Even the British media is picking them up now. People are, are you know, demanding um, rotation of their loved ones who are in the in the army and that kind of thing. And they're apparently appearing on the Kiev subway. All kinds of things of that kind. But put that aside. Let's not talk about the mechanics of this. It's absolutely clear that there is now a growing movement within the Ukrainian political military leadership to try to get Zelensky 
out. And they're, they're all of them looking for ways to do it. They haven't yet settled on a way. And Zelensky is very well aware of this. And he wants to remain where he is. You had his wife saying that she doesn't want him to stay as president for another term, which you could argue is that she's trying to persuade her husband to bend toward this pressure, to step down. I mean, that's what it looked like to me. But Zelensky himself appears determined to stay. I think the people around him, people like Yermak, Podolyak and the others, also obviously want him to stay. And a couple of days ago, Zelensky went on this very strange and mysterious tour of the various um, military people on the front lines. He went to Herson, he went to Kupiansk, he met with all the generals, he announced, he came back and made an announcement about Ukraine building fortifications. It was all very muddled and not entirely clear, but it looked as if he was saying that Ukraine is going to go on to the defensive from this point on. My own sense is that he was going to the military, trying to shore up support with them, and that he didn't speak to Zeluzhny, who's clearly, he sees, and probably rightly, as one of the key plotters. But my impression was that what he was doing was telling the, the military, look back me, what is your price? And the military said, look, the soldiers, the generals said, look, if you want us to back you, the minimum thing you have to do is to stop these offensives, these attacks. Let us go on the defensive. We're just frittering, frittering away our resources by doing that. So Zelensky, who up to this point has insisted on attacks being conducted on every part of the front lines, went back to Kiev after meeting these military people. And as part of whatever deal or attempted deal he tried to close with them, ad agreed that Ukraine is on the defensive from this point on and is going to try and build fortified lines. More difficult to do, by the way, than say, but that is what it looked like to me. Of course, whatever deal Zelensky thinks he's cut with the generals might not really be a deal at all in their eyes. Um, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. But clearly, lots of things are going on. You've got rumours swirling around. You have uh, MPs from uh, Zelensky's party sniping all the time at um, Zeluzhny. Um, there's clear indications that Zelensky wants to sack Zeluzhny because he clearly sees Zeluzhny as the chief plotter. You also get rumours and speculations about what uh, Zeluzhny himself is up to. Zeluzhny is keeping very, very quiet. He wasn't at this meeting with the other generals. And um, there's been reports of telephone conversations between Poroshenko and the former president, who's also an oligarch, and another big Ukrainian oligarch, Rinat Akhmetov, who I believe is not physically in Ukraine at the moment. But anyway, lots of things moving on. The chessboard is moving. And clearly, there is within Kiev now a consensus amongst perhaps the predominant bloc within the Ukrainian establishment that Zelensky has to go.
is that conversation confirmed? I mean, I think it's fifty. No, it's not. Poroshenko no, it's not. Ahmed. It's not. Yeah. It's not confirmed. Um, I I have to say this. I've listened to it. Um, I'm slightly leaning to the view that it's genuine. And there's two reasons. Firstly, if you are going to have a conversation, you know, Poroshenko trying to sort of carry out a coup and you wanted to fabricate it, would you really fabricate it by having a, a person like Akhmetov? You create, you know, wouldn't you be having Poroshenko talking to a military or intelligence person? Something of that kind. Um, so that's, that's one thing. The second is that Akhmetov himself seems to be very unwilling to join the coup. And again, that does make me wonder whether, you know, um, you would fab- if you were looking to fabricate a conversation, you would do it in quite this kind of way. It did make me wonder, with, by the way, whether it might be Akhmetov himself who was recording the conversation. I mean, it's that kind of complex business that, you know, is taking place in Ukraine at the moment. Um, people are manoeuvring and there's plots going on. There was the incident about two weeks ago of the man who pulled the pin from the grenade and got himself blown up on his birthday. And there was the poisoning of um, um, Budanov's wife. Zaluzhny's assistant, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Zaluzhny's Zaluz- assistant. So, so he's, so he's on the Zaluzhny side, yeah. He's on the Zaluzhny side. He got blown up with a grenade which is given to him. I mean, it's a very bizarre incident, which has not been properly explained. Then there was the fact that uh, Budanov's wife was poisoned. And this does look like a real assassination attempt. All kinds of things are going on. And it seems to me that this conversation between Poroshenko and Akhmetov fits fully within that. And somebody has leaked it. It might have been the Russians who are probably listening into all these conversations. It might have been Akhmetov himself. But they, it does make it pretty obvious, if it is true, if it is true, which on balance I think it is, that Poroshenko is engaging in some kind of a plot himself. Yeah, well, Poroshenko tried to leave Ukraine and he was denied. And he says he was, he was going to go to Poland to talk about the trucker blockade and then talk to, uh, to Americans, American officials, about getting money into uh, the, the Ukraine government. Nonsense. 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 I mean, he, he's uh, clearly yeah, what he's clearly he, wanted to do was to go away and lobby uh, with the Americans for his coup. Right. I mean, that's clearly what this is exactly. all about. it's cl- yeah, crystal exactly. clear. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's obviously trying to to drum up international support. Maybe there are people that that want him. I mean, I think that's the big question. What people? What what uh, what countries? What governments? What organizations? What officials? Um, in the collective West, are lobbying for Zelensky to go. You know, maybe they well, they wanted to meet with Poroshenko to see how things are going. Are you progressing in your in your little attempt to remove Zelensky? I mean, are, are we talking about uh, people in the EU? Are we talking about people in the United States? Three letter agencies, uh, the Polish officials. Um, who who could be? Um, who could be uh, lobbying various uh, oligarchs and and parliament officials and military uh, um, officials to to remove Zelensky? Well, that's an excellent question, and um, I think the first thing to say is that any kind of coup in Kiev is not perhaps impossible, but becomes incredibly difficult. 
if the Western governments were to decide that they still wanted Zelensky to remain in place. I mean, they, they basically control the political situation in Kiev. So for a coup to succeed or to have any realistic chance of success, it would need some support from some government in the West. Now, my own sense is that if there's going to be an attempt to remove Zelensky, the initiative must be coming from people in the United States. And you can see why. Uh, we've had that article about three weeks ago in Newsweek that they were saying that um, the United States is telling Zelensky that negotiations have to be opened with the Russians now by the end of the year. If, if that doesn't happen, then consequences will follow. Zelensky's ruling out negotiations. He's ruling out elections. He's closing off, if you like, lines to do what the Americans, according to this Newsweek article, want him to do. And it could be the case. In fact, it plausibly is the case that if, the, if there is an attempt to get Zelensky out, the initiative isn't coming partly from Ukraine, but also from some people in Washington. And again, a couple of days ago, I think it was in the London Times, there was another article which said that the US and Germany are now limiting supplies of weapons to Ukraine in order to get Ukraine to agree to negotiations. And we know that Zelensky is refusing to conduct negotiations. So if that is if that report is also true, and I have my doubts about that one, by the way. But if it is also true, then again, it could be that, you know, some people in Germany are also involved in this, that they also understand that Zelensky has exhausted his potential, if they to put it in the kind of way that they would say it, and that they're also involved in trying to leverage him out. Uh, now, I have to say there are other people in Europe especially, who are heavily invested in Zelensky as an individual. And I think they might find it very, very difficult to um, endorse a coup. Ursula. He's in Ursula, exactly. Ursula. Annalena. Annalena. Joseph. The British government. <laughs> All of those people. So um, I, I... And, you know, I, I, I'm far from convinced that this is a united, that the collective West is necessarily united behind this thing. But I am increasingly getting the feeling that the Americans are absolutely fed up with Zelensky, that they want to end this crisis in Ukraine in some way to clear the decks for the election next year, that they can see the trajectory of travel on the battlefront and they want negotiations to begin as soon as possible. And they see Zelensky as standing in the way. And that's why they're trying to either bypass him or leverage him out. Remember, those articles that have appeared, the one in Newsweek, for example, in, it, in, the, in its, the, the previous one, you remember in Time, which said that he was delusional and messianic and all of those kind of things. The mere appearance of articles like that 
suggesting that the Americans are losing confidence in Zelensky is pro- would probably be reason enough in Kiev for people there to start saying to themselves, the Americans no longer have confidence in Zelensky, let's get rid of him. And it may be that some of those articles might have appeared precisely for that purpose. Yeah, I mean, uh, Zelensky has to stay in power because it's the only way he can survive. I mean, even if they were to cut Zelensky loose, even if he listens to his wife's advice, and says, "Okay, uh, honey, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be president in March 2024. Um, I'm out." And they go and live live their life. Even if they let him take all the money that he's accumulated, it's he understands that without the protection of that seat in uh, as president in Kiev, he's what kind of life is he going to be living? Yes, I, I mean. He understands all of this, so so he the the only thing he can do at the moment is is sit tight, well, is to stay exact- in place at all costs and see if something pops up, if something happens, if if he can find some sort of exit out of this. So I mean, for him, this is like this is about his survival, and he knows it. It it, it, it absolutely is, and if anybody yeah. has any doubt. If anybody has any doubt about that, about the nature of the game that has been played, just consider the fact that one person has been blown up, pulling a pin out of a hand grenade, and another person has been poisoned with heavy metals, you know, Budanov's wife. So this is a game being played for very, very high stakes within a culture where which endorses political assassinations. Remember the... Ukrainians, and I'm not making, you know, I'm not speculating now, it's been confirmed in the American media, have a long history of carrying out assassinations. They've recently carried out a few in Russia. So this is, this, that, this is the kind of culture that we're talking about in, in Ukraine. Zelensky understands that very, very well. And of course, he's frightened. Who, who does he trust? Does he trust Yermak? Does he trust Podolyak? Should he trust Budanov? Budanov, the man that that has indirectly hinted at at, at at being the person behind all of these these assassinations, and and does he trust the the neocons? I mean, here's a question for you. Uh, on the one hand, the neocons they've supported Zelensky completely, and they've they've been pushing Zelensky to to escalate and escalate as much as possible. Um, to attack Russia um, as much as possible, to to do whatever he can to to hurt Russia. That's been the neocon plan. So they've been encouraging Zelensky, and they've been his biggest backers. But, you know, even Lindsey Graham, even the hardest of the hardcore neocons, Lindsey Graham said six months ago that uh, elections, actually Graham, Elizabeth Warren, and Blumenthal, they went to Kiev and they told, and I believe it was Newsweek, it was, I think it was Newsweek or PBS. They said, no, Ukraine is going to have elections. They want elections because for them, they see Zelensky as a loser. In other words, we gave you all this money. We gave you all this support. We, we completely, we, we supported you full to, to win this war. And they're probably saying you didn't, uh, you didn't succeed. And so they want Zelensky out, but they don't, they don't want Zelensky out in in a way where they could say regime change or coup. They wanted to make it seem 
you know, the neocons. They want to make it seem like it was a democratic process. So you got to imagine that even the hard, hardcore neocons are, uh, are, are half turned, not are, half turned yeah. uh, against Zelensky in a big way. And they want elections. I mean, they're on record saying they want elections because for them, that was a soft way, a soft way to get uh, Zelensky out. Well, that's that the exactly. American people would then believe, oh, Ukraine, see, it's a democracy. What a beautiful democracy. Zelensky, oh, Zelensky lost the vote. Oh, well, you know, that's how democracies function. Evil Putin, you see how democracies function. You know, that, that's what they wanted to do. And even that's now fails. So I imagine they're double angry at Zelensky because he won't leave. Well, this is exactly correct. And can I just say, you asked me, whom does he trust? I don't think at the moment Zelensky is able to trust anybody Perhaps the person that he still has some residual trust in is the person within his government team who many people speculate controls him. And that, of course, is Yermak, who, if you know, you see Yermak, he's a, I mean, he towers over Zelensky and, you know, he's a, he he does seem to dominate Zelensky um, as well. But, you know, if you look at Zelensky, if you look at his, how he looks now, I mean, he looks exhausted and stressed and very, very frightened, I would say. This is my own uh, feeling about how he looks. But I don't think he trusts anybody. Of Amongst the we- uh, Western allies, I suspect, again, the people he probably still hopes might be there to provide him with some help in Kiev. The EU can't help him in Kiev, but who might still have some people in Kiev who could help him. The the people he would turn to there, presumably, are the British. Because, as I said, they're so heavily politically, personally, in some cases even emotionally, invested in Zelensky. But I don't think he has many people anymore that he trusts, that he can trust. As I said, he rushed to meet the generals. He's trying to get the generals on side, keep the generals on side. I think at some point over the next few weeks, he's going to make his move to, against Zeluzhny as well. He's going to try and blame Zeluzhny for the failure in Avdevka, which is in, you know, getting closer by the day. Every day we see, we get news, more news about how the whole situation in Avdevka is getting for Ukraine worse and worse. So I think that perhaps... Everything is still in. Everybody's waiting for this battle to end, the the Avdevka battle to end. And then we will see who wins the power struggle. Either Zelensky manages to sack Zeluzhny, which will be a sign that, you know, he's probably on top in the power struggle. Or if not, if Zeluzhny is still in place, then it would suggest that the generals and the the others are now starting to combine behind him. And, um, you know, we could probably see some move being made against um, Zelensky, an overt move being made against Zelensky over the course of the next few weeks. I mean, you've been saying on your programmes that Avdeyevka is crucial. And I think you are absolutely right. Now, if we go to the US, their big concern is not is to try to avoid what happened in 1963 in Saigon, 
where the Vietnamese, the South Vietnamese generals um, got the green light from the White House, JFK's White House, to organize a coup against President Diem of South Vietnam. Diem was an increasingly unstable leader who was clearly losing support. And there was a coup, and the coup ended in Diem and his brother being, being murdered by the army. I think the United States would not want that to happen this time. And it's widely accepted today that the coup against Ziem uh, essentially destroyed political legitimacy in South Vietnam and was a, cri a critical factor in the eventual collapse of that country. So I think the US is, I mean, I think there are people in the US, in the CIA, and uh, within the foreign policy establishment who remember that, whether, of course, Biden remembers it and Sullivan remembers it and Blinken remembers it, and it's another matter, that I think there will be people like, you know, William Burns, for example, the CIA director, who will be very, very concerned not to have something like that play out in Kiev again. But, of course, when things start to move... When the squares fill up with protesters, protesters who, to be frank, in some cases will have been bussed in and might have been paid to be there, these things happen. Um, when the, you know, the streets start to fill with protesters, when armed men start to move, the whole thing becomes extremely unpredictable and can take all sorts of extraordinary turns. And it doesn't follow that the United States can then control the situation. In 1963, Kennedy made it absolutely clear to the Vietnamese generals, the South Vietnamese generals, that he did not want Ziem hurt, and yet Ziem was killed. Yeah, just on a final note, I, I, I bet you the, the money issue is also going to be a determining factor as to which party comes out, which faction comes out on top. Uh, if if Zelensky can secure uh, the the fifty billion from the EU and the sixty billion from the US or something close to that, then I imagine he's bought himself some time. But if if that well, falls apart, I mean, people, the generals, all these people don't get their money, then then I think it's it's game well, over. Well, well, well. Let, let let me now be completely cynical about this. I think this is what is driving the whole thing. At the end of the day, I mean, I could I, I be absolutely straightforward about this. I don't think anybody in Kiev any longer seriously believes that Ukraine is going to. I mean, I say anybody, anybody within the elite, any of the people we're talking about, Poroshenko, Akhmetov, Zeluzhny, um, Zelensky himself, all of those, any of those people seriously believe that Ukraine is now going to win this war. <laughs> I don't think that any, any one of them thinks, thinks this anymore. Um, what has probably created this crisis in Kiev, or what's driving this crisis in Kiev, is that the spigot of money from the tap has now been turned off. And I think that this is really what is concerning them. So, by the way, that was same was true to a great extent in, in uh, South Vietnam in the 60s. So they need to keep the money flowing, even if they 
are calculating, as many of them probably are, that, you know, sooner or later, they're all going to have to leave Ukraine. <laughs> they want to make it, they want to make me absolutely confident that when they do leave Ukraine, there's all that money in the in the uh, Channel Islands and the Turks and Caicos and all of these other places, which they can fall back on when that happens. So for them, keeping the money flows going is the overriding priority. And um, I'm not saying that there wouldn't have been plots and conspiracies against Zelensky um, had you know the tap still been on because of the deteriorating situation. But the fact that the tap has now been turned off is probably what is giving this whole thing this particularly frantic quality at this time. Now, that's my take. It's a very cynical one. But, you know, if you know Ukraine, you will know uh, uh, you will know that, you know, being cynical is usually being uh, being right. Why is it cynical? I mean, it's at the end of the day, isn't it always about money? It's been well, Hasn't this about whole you, project Ukraine been about money at, at, at a very basic level. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. That's exactly what I think. And I think anybody who's followed Ukrainian politics over the last not just 15, you know, not since just since Maidan, but going all the way back to 1991 can see that. Yeah. You, you know, just on a final note, there's when all of this wraps up, I joke around about this, but um, in five years, there's going to be some Ukrainian lieutenant general, lieutenant colonel, who's going to end up buying football clubs in the UK. And everyone's going to sit there, scratch their head and say, where did this guy get all the money? And, you know, if you go from back far enough, you'll see that he was somewhere in the hierarchy of the Alensky government or the uh, Ukraine military. And now he's buying, I don't know, give me give, give me a football club. He's buying Man United or Tottenham or something, you know, and everyone's going to be like, OK, that's, that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. Well, this is exactly correct. Can I just say, I mean, of course, with the big purchases of things in London, I mean, I, because, you know, I lived through this. I was aware of what was going on. I was, uh, you know, I wasn't exactly on the cutting edge, but I knew all the people who were in, in Britain. Uh, well, I knew a lot of the people who were facilitating it. The money came pouring into London after Vladimir Putin became president. And that wasn't because Putin was green-lighting it, Quite the opposite. It's because all the people who, you know, the oligarchs, all the people who'd made themselves very, very rich in the 90s were starting to see that the writing was all on the wall and were taking their money out. And that was exactly what happened then. And I suspect it's exactly what we're going to be seeing, probably are already seeing, playing out now. There's already an awful lot of Ukrainian money in London, by the way. Just saying. All right. Yeah. We'll uh, leave it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are at Rumble, Odyssey, Bitch Shoot, Telegram, Rockfin, and Twitter X. And go to the Duran shop. 20% off. Use the code The Duran20. Take care.